we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just back. want somebody to share my life. I want my teammate in life. I want my partner. It could be a marriage under God. It could be a pinky promise, something like that. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another episode presented by Text Now, the app that keeps dating safe and sexy by giving you a free alternate number that you can use just for communicating with your matches. Today, we are getting an exclusive look into the brain of marriage-minded men. Observe the elusive marriage-minded male in his natural habitat. See how he is not afraid of commitment, how he dreams of being a father and sharing parenting responsibilities with his partner. See how he's mature and communicative. Okay, just kidding. In spite of what I sometimes hear from my listeners, marriage-minded partners aren't that hard to find. You just need to know where to look. So in a moment, I will be joined by one such marriage-minded male, Stuart Gill. He was a contestant on the show Labor of Love. You may have seen it. It featured former Bachelor contestant Christy Katzman. She was not only searching for love, but also for the father to her children. Stuart laid it all in the line, and he was one of the finalists on the show. Spoiler alert. So we are going to do a deep dive today in what it's like to be 40-ish, single, successful, and looking to settle down. But first, you know, you know we've got these headlines. What is the number one trait that daters over 50 are looking for? My guess is sense of humor. Spoiler alert, I am wrong. And can Victoria's Secret make fetch happen? (laughs) I have some thoughts on their rebrand and attempt to sell sexy. Then in Dear Demona, I'll answer questions from you all, like, why are you attracted to the completely wrong guys? And how to date when you are newly transitioned, feeling sexy, and ready to get out there. All right, lovers, it's a juicy one. Coming right up. Let's dish. D's dating dish. Pure Wow reported on a survey conducted by Silver Singles that revealed the number one trait that people over 50 are looking for when dating. Are you ready for this? It's great conversation. Uh, duh. I mean, isn't that what everyone is looking for? Not just daters over 50. People are looking to connect and communicate. They're saying that quarantine really had a big impact on this. Of course, as people are more isolated, we're craving that in-person connection. We're craving someone to actually listen and respond and hear us. And before you get all concerned about, well, how do I become a great conversationalist? What do I need to say? I hear this so often, like, what are the best topics for a date? The best topics are the topics that your date is interested in or the topics that you're passionate about discussing, the things that you're curious to learn more about them, about their life, about the world. And the best way to practice conversation and get better at it is by what? Having conversations. When we look at this study, even though I thought I thought it was going to be a sense of humor, because that's what people always say to me is one of the top three traits that they're looking for. But I get it. I get why conversation is more important, especially at this time, because as I've said on the show before, some of our conversation skills have atrophied. It is not the same to have a video chat date 
That's some food for thought for you. In other news, my timeline has been taken over by Victoria's Secret. You might have heard this week that they will be retiring the angels. Remember those shows that they would have, the big angel wings? I heard that they weigh like 20 pounds anyway, and they're very uncomfortable. But then they would have like the same body type model walking down the runway. Essentially, it was a cookie cutter style selling Victoria's Secret lingerie. Well, that is all gone. They have now tapped new front women. Megan Rapinoe, the 35-year-old pink-haired soccer player, you know her, and Priyanka Chopra Jonas, the 38-year-old Indian actor who's married to Nick, Joe, one of those. (laughs) I always get the Jonases confused, kind of like the Kardashians. (laughs) One of them Big departure from where they were before. And they also included some other models who have different body types, who are different ethnic backgrounds. And it seems that they're really stepping into this rebrand, I call it actually hard pivot, to address their lack of inclusivity over the last, I don't know, as long as I've known that Victoria's Secret existed. And the thing that it raised for me is not just this question of what is sexy, which Megan Rapinoe says that she spends a lot of time thinking about as a queer woman and as someone who has seen these ideals of beauty that Victoria's Secret has been largely responsible for promoting and realizing that it doesn't apply to her. It doesn't apply to the women that she finds sexy and it doesn't fit in with her life. So I'm hoping that it's not just like here, here's Megan, here's Priyanka, here are these other front women that are the face of our brand, but like maybe they'll actually incorporate some of their ideas into their new designs. Because I got to tell you, it's never fit me. Victoria's Secret has never been the look I gravitated towards, and I've never really felt like they were marketing to me. And so they're really trying, I think, to reach the women who would buy lingerie as everyday wear items. They're also, let's face it, trying to make up for the damage that they've done. You may have heard recently that the former CEO was friends with Jeff Epstein. I don't need to tell you more about him. And in addition to that, the CMO was outed as a misogynist and bully. So it's not a surprise that they had to make a big change. And they're saying this was all sparked by Me Too. Hashtag little bit too late. But okay, better late than never. I'm a little bit on the fence. But I say, lingerie or not, you should be wearing what you feel is sexy. And I think Megan Rapinoe would agree with me. In a moment, we will be back with Stuart Gill. And we're talking about the marriage-minded male. But first... Are you in the market for a friend with benefits? (laughs) No, not that kind of friend with benefits. My friends with benefits. I have to tell you about my Patreon group that is just for Dates and Mates listeners who need a little bit more support and love, who want to join a private community of daters and get access to a weekly live Q&A with me and exclusive content from the Dates and Mates library, along with other premiums, including my content club, which lets you know what I'm reading, watching, and listening to. If this is speaking to you, then you need to become one of my FWBs. You can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash datesandmates. Click the link in the show notes if you want to get right there and get in the group for just five bucks a month. Okay, don't go anywhere. We'll be back talking about the marriage-minded male in just a moment. 
We are back, and I am here with my friend Stuart Gill. I define him as a marriage-minded man, and he put it all out there on the show Labor of Love. He put his dream of settling down on the back burner for so long because he has, no big deal, a successful athletic career. No, seriously. He's a former Olympic-level athlete. He is also the CEO of Magna Carta Wealth and the founder of Evolution's Financial Literacy app. He's super accomplished, super kind, and super invested in finding the love of his life. Please help me give big smooches to Stuart Gill. Thank you. So happy to be here. Finally. Finally. I know. It's been a minute. Can I tell people how we met? I was wondering how that was going to happen. I'm not going to tell them all the things because I can't tell them all the things. But I have a celebrity client. You were recommended to me from a matchmaker. It's funny because, like, even she was saying, I know everybody's going to be like, who is it? You'll see on TV one day. (laughs) I want to get a little deeper into what is driving you in the matches that you select or, like, what you're ultimately looking for. Some folks may know you from the TV show Labor of Love. I know that was like a minute ago. It's like we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the airing. But and just to give everybody an overview, the concept of that show was that Christy Katzman, who was a former Bachelor contestant, was not only looking for love, but also for a father for her future children. And that sounds like a tall order, which is why Fox ordered it. (laughs) (laughs) As both a dating coach and a former casting director and someone who's worked in production, I was like, where are they going to find these guys that are like, yeah, I'm signing up to date you and I'm going to be your baby daddy. But they found you. They what did. made you say yes to that show? Well, to be honest, I've said no a bunch of times for so many various reasons. First of all, I got discovered on a dating app. I was swiping right and connected with a young lady and... We matched. I said, hello, how are you? She's like, I'm great, but in total transparency, I'm a casting director. I'm like, huh? She's like, would you ever do a dating show? And I said, no. And she's like, perfect. You're exactly who I'm looking for. I'm like, ah, the sales pitch has already happened. (laughs) And I said, no, I just, you know, reality shows aren't for me. I just really didn't really watch reality television show. It's certainly not a dating show. And to be honest, a little bit was prideful. The first thing I was like, has my life really come to this point where I have to go on a television show to find love? And as I was going through my process to be a contestant, I could only imagine what she was going through as being a lead. They're taking this much time to find the right guy to find the right single lead for this show. She had to go through the process for a year or long or more. So I'm like, she may not be my number one match in love interest, but she will certainly represent a higher level, higher quality of woman I'm seeking. So that's why I ultimately said, yes. You almost made it. (laughs) Were you happy with how that, played out what did you take from the experience in the end when it ultimately wasn't the bringing the baby it was my love story right we all have our own love story so i started thinking what does marriage mean to me what i'm really seeking for is partnership my teammate in life i know a lot of marriages without partnership i know a lot of partnerships without marriage so i want my teammate in life i want my partner it could be a marriage under god it could be a pinky promise something like that but i'm seeking partnership so i'm no longer married to get married I am committed to having my life partner. And what that means is there's going to be a time where we may be at a wit's end, but there's also the underlying theme that we're going to be okay because we're going to get through it together. And the same thing, I also learned, I do want to be a father. I want to be seen as a father. And I actually already am. 
the man I want to be for my children, I am that man I am today for my friends and family. And what does family look like? Does it look like me always having my own child? Will I even one day foster a child? Maybe I actually am open to, as I'm seeking family, man, I'm open to finding a woman who already has children and I'm seeking that family and they let me into their family. So I have now changed my view on it. So I want a partnership. I want a family. But I'm open to what the family, I'm open to what the partnership looks like. And I learned that through the whole AP process. And it was amazing. That seems worthwhile. For yeah, eight weeks was. of your life, that's enough transformation. I'm just going to throw this out here because we have a lot of ladies listening right now. Hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I haven't thrown out what I'm going to throw it out yet. You are now 42, almost 43, I hear. And happy almost birthday. You never been married. You are super successful. You're good looking and tall. How tall are you, Stuart? I'm a legit 6'6". Six, six. Okay. If you were a lady, the question that you would get from everyone is, why are you still single? Like that still really socks him in the gut. And I think that's why right. you also reacted when like, like <laughs> you reacted before I even said it. What do you think has been the block for you in finding love? Do you get that question from people? All the time. Like you do? all the time. And what's funny about it is on first dates, it'll be, there's a setup to the questions too. It's like, I don't mind if the man has been married before. I prefer to be his first wife. I don't mind. Have you been married before? No. Oh, what's wrong with you? Scared of commitment? You just said you didn't mind. You know? So, so it's like, huh? Okay. I used to say it was a focused thing. I was focused on being an athlete. I was focused on, you know, then when I stopped being an athlete, I was focused on school. Then after school, I was focused on career. But the truth is, I spent a lot of time, energy, money, and effort in becoming healthy, whole, and complete. And the better person I become, the more I work on my stuff, it's hard to find people who are doing the same. The more healthy, the more self-aware, the better communicator I am, the more I recognize my triggers, it's hard to find other people who are willing to work on their stuff. I'm not looking for the perfect partner. We all have stuff. I'm looking for the partner that recognizes that she has stuff and is actively working on it. And then we can work on our stuff together. What a tall order in Los Angeles, where we live. What would you say if you were to advise the folks listening? I mean, I just hear so many times, like people are like, well, I want to get married and have kids, but like all of the good guys in their thirties and forties are taken or they're weird or (laughs) they're broke or whatever. (laughs) But the guys, the guys I hang out with say the same thing. Like I want to settle down, but all the good ones are already taken and it's just so hard out here. So I have the same conversation with my guy. It starts with, you know, you have to be self-aware. You need to know what you're doing. You need to be comfortable with yourself, love yourself, comfortable in your own skin, love all your flaws. And I was kind of, I was just one of those ones. I got to work on my flaws, maybe hide my flaws. I hope she doesn't see this about me, but you know what? Once I got real with who I am and my flaws and my ugly, Actually, they're not that ugly. You know, it's like some polishing here and there, but it's also what makes me. And for all the ladies out there, keep working on your love story in the sense that you're actively writing your chapters right now just by yourself and recognize that your partner is also writing his part of his chapter and love story. And eventually, maybe the next chapter you're going to come together and just write your love story together. So while you're not with your perfect mate, you can still be that perfect mate for yourself. Once you are perfect, whole, and complete and recognize that that's who you are for yourself, others will see that in you as well. 
I think sometimes we try to become who we think the other person expects us to be, but no. If you can love yourself, if you can be comfortable by your own, and not just talking about I take care of mine, I pay my bills, I'm talking about I genuinely, I am comfortable looking in the mirror and saying, you are beautiful, I am beautiful, I am loving, and you can do that and smile, then people are attracted to that and drawn to that and will recognize that in you. Do you believe that your lady is, where do you think she is right now? Do you think she's on on dating apps? Do you tell yourself a story about how you're going to meet her? No, I focus more on being open to recognizing when she comes into my life. Because the story of how I meet her will put blinders up to other opportunities. I'm going to find her on a dating app. I'm going to find her this weekend or something like that. No, I am more focused on being ready to recognize, foster, and cherish when she comes. You know, everybody has their checklist. I'm 42 years old, so I know exactly what I don't want. I have a very good idea what I do want to make. But I'm also open to the fact that my partner has these qualities I didn't even know existed. Or at the very least, didn't know that I needed. So I don't put, you know, these like roles around what she's going to look like, how she's going to be, and when it's going to happen. But I just pray and work on being ready to recognize it when it comes along. That's so hard to do. I know. (laughs) Like, that's a real journey. And I also wonder, like you brought up, you know, the list, the checklist, the pros, the cons. How do you grapple with, in your mind, like when you're on a date, you're sitting across from somebody and... There is an element of evaluation. Like, are there certain red flags that you're like, absolutely not, this would not fit in my life, or certain things that really make you lean in? I have a hard time with the concept of deal breaker because I truly believe most everything, if not all, can be solved through communication. And I don't want somebody that is 100% like me, agrees with everything I says, and doesn't have their own opinion in life. Now, relationships are challenging as it is. Life goes at you fast. We need to have our core values need to match, but we can do stuff differently on politics. Or I don't like Mexican food. I don't need my love of my life to love Mexican food. Wait, wait, wait. I want to pause. I want to pause. Politics. Because that I'm hearing that that is really the most divisive element of dating today. And for so long, people have been like, Demona, don't talk about politics on a dating show. But it's like, I can't, especially in a year like the one that we've had. I can't not talk about politics. And so for a lot of people, that is a deal breaker. But the way I try to separate it, I give people three must have qualities. And these have to be like core, like values, goals, those kind of qualities. Not like he needs to be six foot six. And... <laughs> you tell these qualities. I'm curious. Because <laughs> they, they, be, they be saying it. But this is things that are inherent to the who that person is and how they live their life. And then the deal breaker I define is something that is really, I give them one. <laughs> and it's something that is completely immutable, like unchangeable about that person. Or something that is so important to you that you couldn't even tolerate sharing space. For example, like if you just are allergic to cigarette smoke, you absolutely hate cigarette smoke. And this person right. is a chain smoker and has been for 20 years. They're probably not going to quit just because right. you came into their life. And if they're going to be a smoker and you're going to be a non-smoker, it ain't going to work. So right. that's the, I, the difference between like the deal breakers. So is there anything on that list? Like must they want to have kids or something like yeah. that? That would also be on the deal breaker list. Well, that's the one right there. Cause I still very much want to have children and somebody who says they, they're adamant about not having kids. It's amazing for you, but not where I am right now in life. Now, who knows? It may change tomorrow, but where I am right now in life, I want to have kids. And if my partner and I both start off on the same thing, that's a core value because we want to have children. And then for whatever reason, we can't have kids, you know, naturally, infertile, she can't, whatever. 
then we figure out together. But if we start off in opposite sections, I want, she doesn't, we're not ever going to meet at that, that pathway. So that's a deal breaker. In terms of politics, I talk about those things. Now, to your point, like in my early 20s, my dating was like, oh, she's hot. I want to hang out. Then I got a little older. It's like, oh, she's hot. I want to spend more time with her. Maybe she's my girlfriend. You know, who can I spend my life with? Who can I have partnership with? And so what was taboo? Kids and politics, religion. I'm talking about on the first date because why am I going to waste my time anymore? And so for me, politics represents, you know, core values that it's not really about whether you vote Democrat or Republican. It's about what are your core values? What's important to you? Fiscal responsibility or social efficacy? You know, that kind of thing. Thank you for saying that, because, I mean, I do have fairly strong political beliefs, which people actually don't hear on the show because the show is not about me. It's about you and it's about my listeners. But I really try to boil it down to not just what box someone checks on their ballot, but just like, what does that mean to them? What do they believe about the world? Because that's where I think we're getting a lot of friction and something that I've seen as the OkCupid dating coaches that people are dating much more based on social issues. Like, right. and we cannot go backward. Exactly. Black Lives Matter, it has happened. And this is a conversation that started that is not going to end, is only going to get bigger. And unfortunately, there's probably going to be more inflection points that we're going to have to deal with. Or like, okay, Cupid just released a climate change badge in April. Like, our planet's not getting cooler. It's not getting <laughs> better to live here. We're going to have to talk about it eventually. And these are the filters that people are using to date when it used to be, you know, these more superficial qualities. Like, yeah. honestly, even five or 10 years ago, and I've been coaching for 15 years, so I've seen a huge evolution and what people want. And I feel like more people are landing where you are right now than where we used to be on the checklist. That is why I'm single, because I will not settle. So that's why I mean when I'm writing my love story and then I'm just waiting for the person to come along and the children to come along for me to express it. All right. Well, ladies, you want to get in on this love story? You better slide in those DMs. <laughs> I just think you're a gem and I wish you lots of luck in love, Stuart. And I'm sure with all the work that you've done and with all with the focus that you have on who you are looking to meet, I'm sure she is right around the corner for you. Thank you so very much. Ladies, if you're in L.A., you might find him on the dating apps. You never know. (laughs) He does get a lot of DMs, so make that first message good. All right. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back to answer your questions. Like, why are you finding all the wrong guys on dating apps and how to find love in a society that's still stuck in the past? We'll be right back. Lovers, we're back and it's time to answer your questions in my favorite segment and yours. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. Hi, Damona. I am a listener from Ireland. I love your show. I've been listening to it the past few months trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong at the moment and previously. My question is I'm trying really hard on dating apps and everything to look for the right kind of people who have the same values as me, who want commitment, who want a good relationship and something solid and to move forward in the future. And I go on these dates and then I just have no chemistry with these guys at all and yet when I 
bump into a guy in reality or meet someone through friends and we do have great chemistry and there's a lot of flirtation and everything and then we do go on a date, they end up being the kind of guys who just want sex and just want an F-buddy and are not great listeners and don't really want to actually have anything real. So, I mean, I just wonder why am I so much more attracted to people who seem to not want commitment than the people who are actually have the, their values aligned with mine and want to have the same things as me. Um, I'm worried that I'm just never going to actually have the same kind of sexual attraction to those people. I love talking to my listeners from across the pond. Thank you so much for this question. You know, even though you live in Ireland, I think there are probably a bunch of folks that live in the States who are nodding their head to this question and wondering, why is it that I'm always attracted to these guys who are just looking for an F buddy and they're not really anything but someone that you want to have sex with and it doesn't blossom into anything more? And the thing I have to remind you about is the familiarity principle. We are attracted to that which is familiar to us. So the more we experience something, the more we start to think, oh, our body, we're not even thinking it, really. It's a primal reaction. Our body says, oh, I know this. This is something that is familiar to me, and so I'm intrigued. I'm attracted by it. But if there's something that is unfamiliar to us, like maybe being with someone who talks about their future and is really emotionally invested and available. We think, oh, that's different. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to work with that. I'm going to be afraid of that on a subconscious level and push it away. So this is why when you are dating with your mind, you're like, I'm going for these, these relationship-minded people. And then you get there and you don't have the chemistry because the chemistry you've conditioned yourself to expect is that sort of one-night-only hot and steamy instant chemistry. But you've heard me say on the show before that chemistry is a liar. You're not going for chemistry if you're going for a long-term relationship. You're going for, do you remember? Curiosity. Curiosity is the thing that's going to drive you from one date to the next. And remember, we have to be practicing slow love. What does that look like? That looks like spacing out your interactions over time. That looks like building the anticipation in between dates. That looks like being driven by the curiosity to know this person on a deeper level, to understand their history, the way that they think, the way that they look at the world, because those are the things that you need to determine in a long-term partner. And you cannot figure that out based on instant chemistry. You cannot figure that out based on a one-night stand or having sex with someone on the first date. And yes, there have been times where people had sex on the first date and it worked out. And bravo for them. But I have to teach the rule and not the exception. And you will have a different experience of it if you really slow down, even with someone that you like and you have that instant chemistry with. What would happen if you didn't have sex right away? What would happen if you let the tension build and the anticipation rise for what I didn't mean to speak in an innuendo there, but <laughs> the anticipation to grow? Oh, I did it again, y'all. <laughs> so what if you just waited a little bit 
and you saw what happened in between your dates as you were thinking about this person and they're thinking about you and wondering what would it be like to sleep with this person? If you answer the question right away, then how many other questions are there to be answered that are really that interesting? And I will end things with a story of my own experience. I, too, was attracted to sort of the bad boy, noncommittal, artistic, head in the clouds, not in a relationship kind of fella for a long time. And I had to make a conscious effort to change my attractions. So I did a plan. Some of you have heard this before. I did a plan for myself. I called it Operation Date Nice Guys. Not even joking. Operation DNG for short. My friends at work were like, how's Operation DNG going? And we would like chat about it at lunch. But I realized I really needed to flip the qualities that I found sexy. So, you know, the way that I define nice might have been different from the way you define nice, but I knew that those qualities were much more of a slow burn. And so when I met my husband, I thought he was cute. I certainly thought he was cute. Did I want to rip his clothes off? Was I like, oh, I can't wait to get back to his house? No, but I was really curious about him. And I was like, wow, he's really interesting. He's really smart. He's really thoughtful. He's a great listener. And I'm just curious to know more. And it really took several dates until the deeper level of attraction and spark started to develop. And now, y'all, we've been together for 17 years. I know it's like hard, hard to believe. What? You met when you were 10, Devona? Yes, of course. But now I would say I'm more attracted to him than I've ever been because I, especially after the pandemic, I know him so intimately well and I'm so connected to him. And to me, that's a lot more sexy than a one night stand or an instant chemistry that I would have had with people that I met before. So maybe you need to do your own dating plan, uh, your Irish style dating plan, and really write it down. What are the qualities that are attractive, interesting, intriguing to you? Not what am I responding to instantly, you know, the cute face and, and the cute butt, but what am I on a deeper level needing to consider more and to attract and see if that will change your path to slow love and hopefully to long-term love as well. All right, this question comes to us from a listener named Geisha. Geisha says, Dear Demona, happy Pride. Thank you for your podcast and work. I listen to you every Tuesday while I get ready for work. I am a newly transitioned, nine months, transgender female. Do you have any advice on how to date as a trans woman? I swipe and meet all kinds of men, but either they just want something casual, unmatched once they've read my profile, or because society frowns about dating openly trans people, I have had a hard time meeting men. Any advice as I'm ready to date and it's Pride Month. Thanks so much. Oh, Geisha, girl. I just had a conversation a, a couple of months ago with Laverne Cox on her podcast. I think it's just called the Laverne Cox podcast, but you should definitely check that episode out because we talked through all of these things and Laverne, I mean, look how fabulous Laverne is. And Laverne is having the same exact challenges that you are. And I mean, here's the thing. You've got to be you. I'm always talking about love as you are, love authentically. So of course you need to be honest about who you are. And there are going to be some people who will not understand it. And that's okay. 
because those aren't your people. This is a message for everyone listening right now. If there's something that's core to your, the way you live your life or who you are that you feel is important for someone to know up front, go ahead and put it in the profile. Because if they reject you or reject what you're offering just based on that, then you know you're not investing time in people that are not going to be accepting or understanding. And there are certainly dating apps and communities that are going to be more inclusive and more understanding. You know that I love OkCupid. And actually, just this week, OkCupid expanded identity options. So now there is a new release of over 60 identities for non-straight users to identify. And to date on an app where you are not othered, if you're able to just be yourself and everyone else is able to step into this inclusive space, it might be a more welcoming and more successful environment for you. Also, Geisha, it's pride, girl. So this is the perfect opportunity to get out there and meet someone IRL. Hopefully you are vaccinated and vaccinated and ready to, to step back out. And I mean, what a great place to be able to connect with like-minded singles. And at a pride parade, Everyone is there to have fun and to celebrate. So if you go to a Pride Parade, everybody there, first of all, should be inclusive and understanding. And also, a lot of people go there looking to make connections, looking to hook up, looking to have a great time. And after this year that we've had, and after the year that you've had, Geisha, you owe it to yourself to go out there and and just let loose and be free and see what happens. Don't put too much pressure on it, but let's use this opportunity to practice again. Practice the in-person interactions. And you're probably dating in a completely new skin. Having recently transitioned, you will notice in IRL interactions that people might interact with you differently. People might perceive you differently. You might have different kinds of conversations than you did before. So you're like a brand new dating baby out in the world. So don't limit yourself to dating apps. And as I've said on this show before, don't focus on the ones that unmatch with you when you are on those apps, because those aren't the ones for you. Focus on the people that get you. Focus on the people that want to continue the conversation and focus on the people who get your vibe and are giving you the vibes back. I hope you enjoyed episode 366 of Dates and Mates as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. If you're looking for a binge-worthy show, definitely check out Labor of Love Season 1. There are so many great lessons to learn there. And you can follow Stuart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, underscore E, underscore Gill, on Instagram. We will, of course, link to his IG in the show notes. And if you're going to sign that DM, <laughs> gals make it good. Speaking of the DMs, mine are open. You can hit me up on all of the socials at Demona Hoffman. You can even send me a voice memo right there in Instagram, in the DMs, like our listener today did. Or email me, call me, 424-246-6255, or check out datesandmates.com where it's easy to contact me there. I'll be back again next week with Dr. Harville Hendricks and his wife, Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt. They are internationally known couples therapists and New York Times bestselling authors. You may know their book, Getting the Love You Want. It's been endorsed by Oprah, Alanis Morissette, my fave, and me. That is an episode you certainly will not want to miss. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.